TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 512, and I'm Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I teach communication media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, I'm Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. Hi, this is Yusan, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles, California. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have that Bob Odenkirk has reported that he is fine after a mild heart attack. Any kind of heart attack I find is makes me nervous. I don't like them. Let's just not do them at all. Let's not do that again. Yes. Uh, the TV show Panic has been canceled after one season at Amazon. It was based on a YA novel, but apparently not enough. I feel, I feel like Amazon's not In other news, the... there was a show called Panic on that... Amazon. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Perfect. That's perfect. No matter what I was going to say, that's better. Uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is, as we all know, was canceled, and it's looking at a movie revival for Roku, but no deal has been set yet. Uh, Colby Smulders has been cast as Ann Coulter for American Crime Story Impeachment. Yikes. Uh, Yikes. Yikes, yeah. I don't want to watch anything that has to do with Ann Coulter, even fictionally. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, Star Wars Bad Batch has been renewed for season two. Um, oh. Sam Elliott what? has... Just what I said. Sam Elliott has been set to star in Yellowstone uh, prequel, uh, Yellowstone prequel at Paramount+. And I'm down Ooh, for that because I love, I love I, Sam Elliott. tell me... Somebody tell me, I'm sure someone here is going to watch it. Someone tell me if you can watch, once it premieres, if you can watch it without having watched Yellowstone because I want to watch Sam Elliott in anything. So somebody it's tell me. 83 and Yellowstone is set in present day. So. Yes, it's, it's, yes it's, it's set in like 100 years before Yellowstone. So I feel like you can. It's a prequel. Also, okay, also for 1883, husband and wife, country superstars Faith Hill and Tim McGraw have been cast in 1883. Okay. I heard that. I think Tim Graw's a solid actor. I didn't know. I, it'd be interesting to see if Faith Hill can actually act. Okay. Uh, physical has been renewed for season two at Apple Plus. And that's all I've got. Okay. Um, Amazon announced that the Lord of the Rings untitled prequel series will debut on September 2nd, 2022. So Aww. thanks for the mark. We'll mark our calendars accordingly. Uh, <laughs> Apple TV Plus canceled Little Voice after one season, and Ben Foster has been cast to play opposite Will Smith in Antoine Fuqua's film Emancipation. Um, Disney Plus has confirmed that What If season one will be nine episodes. There, season two has already been greenlit. Ms. Marvel will probably not premiere until early 2022. Mighty Ducks Game Changers has also been renewed for season two, and Walt Disney Animation is opening a new Vancouver studio for long, long form series production. HBO suspended production of the White House Plumbers over allegations of unprofessional behavior by executive producer David Mandel. Evidently, he got into it with some people from the pop department. It got ugly, as in physical altercation ugly. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, Succession in season three has added Ella Rumpf from Raw, and Mike White is talking with HBO about a possible second season of White Lotus. Uh, HBO Max, Bel Air has changed showrunners. That's the update of Fresh Prince as a drama. And the guy who came up with the video that went uh, viral, he's out. (laughs) And they brought in people who knew what they were doing, evidently, to run the show. And Zolo Maraduena from Cobra Kai has been cast as Blue Beetle for HBO Max's upcoming telefilm. Michelle Forbes is going to recur on New Amsterdam as a fixer for the failing hospital, and Ellen Burstyn will reprise her role as Elliot Stabler's mom for Law & Order Organized Crime. 
The Wednesday Adams. I don't remember what. Sorry, I was like Elliot Stabler's mom. I remember his dad was a jerk, but I don't remember anything about his mom. You'd recognize the actor if you've seen her. She's been around for a while. Um, Let's see. The Wednesday Adams series at Netflix has cast Louise Guzman to play Gomez, and Kerry Washington will star in and produce a film adaptation of Diane Cardwell's memoir, Rockaway. Uh, Justin Simeon, who created Dear White People, has signed an overall deal with Paramount Television. And Showtime has renewed The Chai for season five. All righty. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Motherland Fort Salem. And holy crap. I mean, last week's episode ended with Rael being kidnapped and by the Camarillo, right? Camarillo. Camarillo. Ah, whatever. Close. I was close. Uh, And this episode, they just keep killing her, like, over and over again in progressively more Gruesome. gruesome ways. And I was like, like, what? Um, but I did like that all the different elements in her life, like, converged to come and rescue her. So I thought that was pretty cool. So what'd you guys think? Yeah, cool. So is the first, is this the first time that we've seen that there's actually this other plane of existence where some mystical force is keeping her, basically, you're special because you don't seek power, so we're giving it to you? Yes, this, but it's, it has to, kind of good. Yeah, but I think it's it, it's that thing that wall of goo or whatever yes. that thing was. Yes. It's that whatever that intelligence I is. What they, I forgot what they. Yeah, they had it. a name for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's that it's a representation of that consciousness talking to her. So, but yeah, the episode was fantastic, and we got to see. I liked uh, God, Abigail's boyfriend. What the heck is his name? I always forget his name. Me too. Uh, Just call uh, him the boyfriend. <laughs> what I like is he—he took a step up and he had to do some. He like melted those that dude's bones. Like, oh my oh goodness, my that was wild. That was I, wild. I had to laugh though, and they even kind of threw it in there. They kind of gave a you know a throwaway line, which I thought was perfect. Where like, first of all, everyone has turned into a superhero. Like one person can't die. I'm not complaining. I just you know they just up the game in every level. And then he turns out to be like a massive superhero. He's like, I can go through walls. I can make us invisible. I can like liquefy people from the inside. <laughs> and, and I was like, um, talk about a dude who was like burying the lead of his own house. <laughs> well, but I think that that was that was key to to his character. He and his tribe. I mean, there was a reason that the, the Camarilla singled them out to kill them because they are no, so, no, no, I, so powerful. And I, their their whole thing was that they're pacifists and they never use that. But buried underneath that is yes. this awesome power. Yes. No, uh, no, no. I, oh, sorry. I go ahead. Go ahead. As soon as his bay is in danger, yeah. Screw the pacifism. But they even, like I said, gave lip service, which I respect, where he was like, she was like, oh, my God, did you know you could do that or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I had no idea I could do this. You know what I mean? So, like, even as to your point, Allison Shore, they did kind of definitely set that up. So it's not a complaint. I just mm-hmm. kind of I found it kind of funny and, you know, and, and impressive. You know what I mean? But the fact that and I thought that the his journey from walking away from his past was also very uh, acceptable, uh, very believable. You know what I mean? It wasn't just a, a a plot device or kind of a cheat. You know what I mean? Like, and it, I thought it was powerful. Like for me to watch, it was believable and powerful. So this show doesn't. It's not. Um, like not arbitrary, but it's not lazy. You know what I mean? Like it definitely, it's very powerful. Even uh, the trope of the mom sacrificing herself for her daughter was totally expected. I don't remember what scene it was, but I don't know, three minutes in and I thought, oh, she's not going to survive this. Um, you know, but having said that, again, it speaks to the to me the power and quality of the show that even though it was absolutely a trope, it was totally predictable. Again, still powerful for me. I, I was moved, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I wasn't destroyed, you know, but I thought <laughs> they pulled this off, you know what I mean? So for me, I... I'll let you guys talk about more specifics, you know, because I, I tend to talk in broad strokes, but I... I really, I can't say it again. I can't. Um, I I think the show built on yesterday, uh, last week's show, you know, that super cliffhanger of 
what you know what's going to happen after they've been kidnapped and i was like oh my god so much happened you know what <laughs> i mean like so they just deliver on their on their uh, uh cliffhangers they don't you know they don't cheat you you know what i mean so the so i just i do i really love the show somebody else go oh uh, tom go ahead they, they twisted the trope, though. It's the mom who faked her death, <laughs> sacrificing herself yes! for the daughter yeah. who, didn't, who did not know until her corpse shows up. That she, she was even powerful. alive, right. She yeah, that's why it worked. I think that's why it worked so well. Silla's yeah. so yeah, has some splitting to do. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to say, though, the cliffhanger of this episode, which is Scylla and Rael in a room together, like, I've got stuff to tell you. I was like, meh, because I'm not a fan of Scylla at all. So that's not the cliffhanger you want to leave me on. I, I This would have been, if, if I had like a bunch of episodes to, to binge, this would have been like, oh, break. And I would have gone and switched to something else. But yeah, I'm not a fan of Scylla at all. That being said, her growth during, I agree with you. She's probably the weakest character for me still with the whole... Um, witch trial thing and the rescue and then the, you know, killing, you know, thing. I, I, I have grown to like her more, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but I've not invested her. in her relationship with Rael. I don't care sure. about them together as a pair at all. Rael could be better. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That is such a true statement. That's funny. Uh, Allison, your thoughts before we move on. Uh, no, I just, I just loved everything. And one of the things that, um, you know, I, I wanted to make clear when when Yusin was talking about how you know all these these powers were coming up was that I I really appreciated the fact that things didn't just feel like they were pulled out of the air. Um, they everything felt very well set up. Every everything felt like it was organic to the story. So I wasn't saying, oh well, that's a convenient new power to have, um, which I do a lot with these types of shows. Yeah. It, everything felt like it was coming from a place where, yes, okay, I can ex I can expect this, I can accept this because they've set it up for this kind of payoff, and right. that really that takes careful writing that I really appreciate. And yeah. this show has done great jobs with world building, and so they they set up a situation where I can expect certain things from certain characters, and it just it just pays off beautifully, and. I, I really, really like that about the show. All right. So let's thumbs up uh, from oh, yeah. all of us. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Mysterious Benedict Society, or as I like to call it, the Mysterious Constance Society, um, <laughs> which was the best because I love the fact that that's been like a running gag for the season, them trying to come up with a name for themselves. And it, it, they had left it off with the Mysterious Benedict Society and everybody was like, nah, I don't know. And then at this episode, as Constance is literally saving the day, she was like, I was thinking the Mysterious Constance Society with my sidekick, Kate. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, this was really good. It was a good payoff to everything. Like everything really paid off well. And I have to say they surprised me with the reveal of Mill who Milligan was, which I should not have been surprised by. But it... It worked. I was like, oh, that all that totally makes sense. Like yeah. all of it makes so much sense. And it made me a little 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 forklumped a little bit when they had their reunion. Good. It's like, go for it, Katie Kate. And I was like, oh, no, that's fantastic. So yeah. I thought that reveal was a good way to do it too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the moment we were right there with his revelation, you know what I mean? And it was a quick way. It wasn't an info dump or anything. You know what I mean? Like it was just like bam. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys talk again about the longer part of it because – and forgive me, guys, listeners and you guys. I purposely have muted or turned you guys down the last few uh, podcasts because uh, I was behind and I definitely didn't want to be spoiled. So some of this stuff might have – you know, it, whatever. You know, I don't know what was said or wasn't said. But I will say this. Um uh, because I had to catch up and we're talking at least four episodes, if not more, four or five, I absolutely binged it. Um, I don't know why I dropped out, jumped off the train. I don't, I don't think it was for the quality of the show or any kind of reason for that. But once I kind of like got behind, I sort of had a little bit of trouble, like just super being like, I gotta, you know, get back on, but it was definitely, definitely bingeable for me. And, um, I like how, uh, and again, it, I'm not using the word trope. I'm not applying it. But I think we all know that part of really good writing in any show, comedy or drama, is uh, and expect 
arcs, you know, for, for the characters to go on their journey, you know, and to, you know, be changed by it and blah, 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 blah. So, and they did a great job with, I think, every character, you know what I mean? Um, so, especially the kids, and you guys know how I feel about kids and kid actors. Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up really, really, really enjoying the show. It did turn out to be very bingeable, a very bingeable friendly. Um, I did not know what was going on. I mean, I know there was the... Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, what is that? The emergency or this and or that whisper, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And the whisper. And that's to your point, Libya, is, is that, um, I really like how it, what the answers were, you know what I mean? Like what they were doing and it was sinister, like in a good way, you know, that wasn't too sinister. I mean, it was sinister, but my point is it wasn't just a kid show. It wasn't light. It definitely dealt with larger themes and, uh, I, I, and at least a little bit of a, a interesting note, whatever. I'm actually narcoleptic, and I think this is worth uh, talking about. I have never seen, or very rarely seen, Hollywood portray narcolepsy uh, in a well. I mean, it was still the trope of a full body. Um, uh, loss of full body, you know, muscle control, you know, the passing out business. And that's actually not true with narcolepsy. You can have specific body parts. But anyway, I loved how they interwove the the the, the affliction or whatever you want to call it, the illness, uh, in a way that was, was integral, very integral to the plot without it being kind of... Uh, you know, uh, like a, uh, like a plot joke, you know, like a comedy, you know, thing. And also, uh, so they wove it in very realistically, uh, you know, I thought they represented it very, um, uh, responsibly. And also it wasn't, like I said, a comedy trope. It was absolutely integral to the part of the, the show. So I just wanted to mention that because it's a very rare thing, both the, the illness and the, you know, proper representation. So I thought that was really great. And then lastly, um, uh, to speak to Constance, I really disliked her character. If you want to talk about arc, they did a great job with that. And, um, uh, I also was waiting. I was like, why is she part of the team? You know, and I think they all thought that. I mean, that was the running joke, right? And I thought they better come up with something good, you know, and they gave us breadcrumbs. You know, it wasn't a, you know, wasn't a big reveal at the very last episode. They definitely kind of, you know, hinted at that, you know, with the, I hear the voices and this and that. And I really kind of was like, where are they going with this? And then it turned out and, and you know, the, 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 the guy, Benedict, or the whatever, right, the leader, right. He, he made mention, you know, uh, very specifically to, because he was like, did you know she was psychic? And he was kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, possibly, like, you know what I mean? So, like, it made sense now for me, you know what I mean? Like, she, she he needed her, I don't, you know, because he figured he probably super needed a psychic and, and whatever. So, again, and that was, like, a nice reveal to me. Also, I didn't expect it, and again, it worked for me. All right, Tom, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought... That I was surprised they were able to cram the final episode with all the all the things they needed to get done to resolve the first season. Right. So I thought it was terrific. I, one of the moments that really got me was then, even though the episode begins with Martina realizing that Kate has betrayed her, when Martina learns the real truth, she does. She has she the steps up. Yeah. And, said, and realizes that even though Kate did what she had to do, that Kate is still her friend and leads all the other tetherball players. That was a nice little moment. Right. And, um, yeah. It, it was a fun finale. Of course, they left the trap door open for season two with, you know, Curtin's sure. next diabolical scheme. But it was fun to see the, t the kids. It felt very complete. Yeah. As a team. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt very complete. Yeah. Together, and everything made logical sense, which was also helpful. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, next up, actually, we're going to talk about a really quick show, uh, Katla, which is on Netflix. And it is a show based on in Iceland. And I watched the pilot. And all I can tell you is that uh, it's this tiny, it's not even a town. It's like a couple of shanties. And they work with the scientists to study volcanoes that are in Iceland. And this woman walks naked out of the volcano, covered in ash and clay. And everybody's like, what the heck? And they think that she got lost from her party. What's going on? And by the time you finish the pilot, you find out that she's a woman who used to live there 20 years ago. 
And she worked at the hotel. There's one hotel in that shanty town. And they were like, yeah, you work with my mom? What? And then they track her down and she's... They call uh, the number that they have listed for the same woman in Sweden and the 20-year-old older woman answers the phone or she's there. And you're like, wait, there's two of them? What? I don't know what's happening. And then at the very end, they find another woman um, covered in ash who also, but this one I think should be dead. So whatever. I don't know what's happening. I don't, it does have kind of a dark feel to it if you watch the show Dark. It kind of has that feel to it. And it also has similar music, I noticed. Uh, but I'm intrigued. And Allison, without giving spoilers to the rest of the series, please, because I, I know you watched the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, what did you think I, of the I didn't know we were going to cover this, and I, I just happened to watch it because I was bored and I wanted to <laughs> Well, just um, on, keep it just on the pilot, please. Sure. Um, the... The thing is with the town is that it, it, it used to be an actual town and then the volcano started erupting and oh, it buried okay. most of the, the town. The whole area is, is a disaster area, really. I mean, that's why there's, there's just black soot over everything. I know. And I was like, why would you live there? Away. Right. I was yeah, like, there's just a bunch of hardcores who, who say, this is my town and I'm not, lo- I'm not moving. And it's it's ridiculous because, I mean, you can't really survive there. So they've got this one hotel with, like, no guests until, right. you know, just these these unknown people show up. And um, and, and a farm, you know, that... Yeah, uh, they got this own, one farm uh, with the, the, the their milk. They're the only ones providing people with milk. And they're constantly getting ash off their roofs, out of everything. Everything breaks down. And the woman right. can't breathe because the ash... And I was like... Why are the people even and and like the scientists? I understood like because they need to take samples of the volcano. That totally makes sense. But all the other people, I was like, why are you guys still there? Like that is an odd thing. But yeah, I and, have and to. I have to say, I was intrigued. Go ahead. It well, you know, I I I was too. It starts out, you know, and it it feels very much like dark at the beginning. It has that kind of that kind of feel. Um. So I was I was all in and uh, and you know the thing is there there is that that mystery what is going on and they keep you hanging on before they really give you an explanation for it uh, uh, stay on the pilot where, stay where on this the is pilot. well the, as if i'm just going to to rate the pilot i would say that it's it's very solid and intriguing and has some very good acting very solid acting in it uh and um you know it's it's one of these slow boil kind of shows you have okay. to be patient with all right all right, next up, we're going to talk about Star Wars Bad Batch, and this was the penultimate, I believe, because it's part one of two, and I have to say in this episode, when Crosshairs is talking to Hunter, I was kind of on Crosshairs' side. I was like, because the whole series, I was like, okay, we know the inhibitor chip is what makes you crazy. I was like, why don't they go back and grab Crosshairs? I kept thinking, I kept waiting for them to do that, and they never did. They kept going on all these stupid side missions and all these, you know, trying to get money and and trying to stay one step ahead of the Empire, but they never really thought about Crosshairs and going back for him, which I thought was weird. And when Crosshairs actually calls them on it, I was like, yeah, exactly what he said. So I really enjoyed that. I really liked that he brought up exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, you guys are lame friends. Um, Go ahead, Tom. But the big reveal is he had already removed his inhibitor chip. But when did he do that? Because we saw them. We don't know, but that was new news to us. Right. So that was a a big freaking hairy deal. (laughs) I kept thinking, oh, so you're just an a-hole no matter what. But I mean, we know he had the we know he had the inhibitor chip when they took him in and they turned it all the way up. We know he yeah. had that. Oh, you right. know when he probably lost it is that explosion on the station. He got all jacked up. They blew that he they reversed the gun and it blew up in his face and he had all this damage. It was about halfway through the season, so that's that probably when it yeah, happened. That's probably you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but, but um, keep going, you guys. No, I I actually I. 
I did not agree with him because I all I could think of was, well, you know, he's they may want to go back and get him, but number one, he's he's in like the heart of the empire. He's surrounded by imperial troops and and ships and everything else, and he he is trying to kill them. So they going after him is not simple. It's it would it would I didn't be say it incredibly wasn't difficult. Simple, not just going I, on one of their little missions. I know, where, but they but they did but the they empire. did this for Hunter. When Hunter got captured, ended the empire. They went after Hunter, and that's his point. Is that the, pro- the problem is Crosshair went of his own volition, his own yes. free, well, what seemed to be at the time his own free will. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a little bit morally gray. And face it, when somebody tries to kill you, I don't care how good of friends we used to be. I wanted the I wanted the band back together. I wanted. I, the... I'm surprised Hunter has as much attachment to Crosshair as he does, because I'd be like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I was I was kind of waiting for him to say, you know, yeah, I've had the chip removed because that's that's kind of a standard twist. So I was kind of waiting for that. And they did go there, but they did it well. And and so I, I like that. And I'd like to, I, I'm interested to see since they did run off with him, they didn't just leave him there um, where this is going to go uh, in the final episode. I'm wondering if once Crosshair realizes that the Empire has zero loyalty to him because right. they're trying to kill all of them right now, if he will begrudgingly go with them or if he will be the fly in the soup. I don't know, but I yeah. want him back on the team, even though he's kind of a jerk. I want some character development. That's all. <laughs> all right, let's move on. This is a thumbs up. This is probably one of the best episodes they've had so far. Uh, but uh, Well, they concentrated on the team, and that's, yes, that's always and that better works. when they do that. Although they should not be taking directions from a little girl. That's also true. Who she is. She's a little girl, not a combat veteran. Yes, that's that was like. I guess I'll go back and start watching this. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to talk about Evil, and we have—I don't think we've ever talked about that the show on the podcast, or maybe we talked. To, no, we talked we about the pilot of season one. We talked about some season yeah. one. Uh, I bailed at season one originally, and everybody was like, "Season two is so great," and I was like, "Fine, I'll check out. Season, I'll go back and I watch season one, and I'm only up." the first couple episodes of season two. And since they've taken a pause, I feel like this is a good time for us to catch up and put it in the podcast. And so uh, we'll talk about the first two episodes of season two. First episode is called In is for Night Terrors. And in this episode, Leland, our Michael Emerson bad guy, has basically bribed the church into allowing him to get an exorcism and forcing Michael and his team to participate. And he's basically screwing with them. And I was kind of like, okay, because their position is like, oh, he's obviously trying to con us in some way. I don't understand what the, where the con is going. Like, why, other than just poking at them, I don't understand what the con is. Uh, but he really wants them to do an exorcism on him. And I like that by the end of the episode, David ends up like, oh, yeah, we're totally going to do an exorcism. We just have to put you in line. Uh, How does next month work for you? And he loses his mind. He's like, oh, my God. You know, he gets all upset. But uh, the more we learn about Leland, the less scary he is. And I don't... Oh, and the big twist, of course, is with the grandmother is when he finds out he can't get his exorcism, he gets really mad and tells tells the mom that, uh, yeah, our, the wedding's off. Screw you. I'd hated every moment well, with you. they were cake tasting. Yeah. yeah, they were cake tasting. And he was like, take your moment to cry and go over there. And she, her reaction, well, no, in that moment she stood there. But later on, she's like, what? You think you're the first demon I've ever dated? And everybody was like, what? What does that mean? And holy crap, she is a piece of work. I do not <laughs> like the mom at all. Like, I mean, I thought she was a little racy in season one for grandma, but I didn't think anything. I didn't think she was like hanging out with demons racy. Like, but if the thing, the mo- the main point I want to make is that the more we learn about Leland, the less scary he is. I find him not that scary at all now. Your thoughts? 
I don't know if I'd agree with that because the thing is, we know a lot about Leland as a human being, but the problem is he is literally in league with the devil. Yes. And so, you know, underestimate him at your own peril. And, um, boy, it's been, been a while since that. But, yeah, I mean, right now they're kind of mostly using him for a little bit of comic relief and whatnot. But, man, I think another shoe is going to drop. That's I think true. So too. I, that oh, is well, true. And by shoe, I mean hoof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a question. Did you guys, are you guys scared of how they're representing Lucifer as, like, a goat guy? Like, Not at all. It's not just, at all. like, I was like, this is the devil? Okay. Well, that... And I'm not sure that we're supposed to be that scared of it. It's, it's, it's. I think it's one of those things where, it's, it's, a tra- the traditional, uh, image of what the devil is supposed to be, but we're so it's, it's that's what we're being given. But we're not ne- necessarily supposed to take it all that seriously. I think, I think that there's like maybe another, another, visage to this character. Oh, I'm, um, I'm sure there's going to be. Yeah. Um, the A of for A is for Angel. That second episode, though, that was, I found that far more disturbing. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. Just, just the makeup they have. The the actor who played the Angel also plays George. That makes sense. Okay, well, that's yeah. <laughs> he, he, he gets a main title credit if he's in the episode, but just the notion of an angelic possession. I was surprised that anybody, you know, that I'm wondering if something's up with. Peter Scolari's character because angels don't possess people. Angels appear to people, but they're not supposed to possess people like a demon could. And that was just... Oh, and was... then what happened to his wife at the end? They just left it there. They were like, no one went looking for the wife. They just all assumed she got turned into that pile of salt. You know? Yeah. Like I was like, wait, that's the end of the episode? We're not going to investigate yep. this at all? Like, okay. That was crazy. Yep. So, but I thought that what, one thing that I liked about the angel episode is that you know when people think about angels, they do think of things that are that are more benign and and beautiful and all of that. And here, this thing looked like they you know they put wings on the silence basically, right? And <laughs> and you know had this confront him. And this was this was genu- genuinely freaky and scary. And yeah. uh, there is a there is a uh, an impression that I am getting with this show. That yes, you know the the forces of darkness are evil and terrible and all of that, and we associate that with Satan and demons. But the the forces of heaven are not necessarily on our side either. Yeah, because it's um, like it's all building to the destruction of everyone, so that they could rebuild. And then David yeah. was like, "Well, what if there's ten righteous people?" And he was like, "Do you really believe there's ten righteous people?" And I was like, <laughs> "Wow." <laughs> the call back to the story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah from yeah, uh, yeah. What I thought was um, was uh, the was the nun in episode two. Yeah. Okay, she recurs throughout the season, and I think it's really interesting because she obviously has uh, some, some backstory, divine insight. Yeah. Well, yeah, backstory, but she sees Leland for who and what he is. Oh, absolutely. It's so, so weird to see Andrea Martin in a role like that. I associate her with comedy and, you know, Second City TV and all of that. And to see her in this in this much more serious role is really kind of weird. But I, she's she's bringing it. She's doing a great job. I, I've, I've always liked Andrea Martin, and it's fun to see her get a role that she can sink her teeth into. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I'm loving it so far. Season two is definitely better than season one. All right. Uh, we need to move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Control-Z, which is on Netflix. Season 2 just dropped. And Season 1 was so memorable that I forgot that I watched it. And Tom was like, Season 2 is ready. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, we watched Season 1. I was like, I don't think I did. And he goes, yes, you did. We talked about it on the podcast. And I was like, no recollection. And I had to go and I watched the recap. It was like Season 1 recap. And I went... Oh, I did watch this show. <laughs> like, while I was watching the recap, I was like, oh, yeah, I did watch this show. And then I watched the first episode, and I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, it's literally the same as season one. It's like, oh, my God, we have a new hacker. Who it is, Who is it? He's revealing secrets. He's burying people alive. And I think what makes it ridiculous for season two is he's up the stakes, and now he's, like, trying to kill people. 
and we already know who he is. It's the same guy. So, it is not. Well, I mean, the same guy is the one burying people. Like, he's the one that buried those two guys, and he's the one that hit uh, Javier with a, a, a shovel and stuff. So that's the same guy. Now, our hacker might be a different person, but I find I don't care. Like, yeah, they... the charm of season one is kind of gone for me. Tom, your thoughts. I, I'm I'm interested. I really like the lead. I think that she, for in many respects, she remind it. It kind of reminds me of kind of a Mexican Veronica Mars. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. In yeah. terms of, and I like the fact that when they're, I think you did see some episode two because that's when the, the the two stoners are buried alive. No, I didn't because I I I hit stop after one. Oh, you that hit happened stop. At the, that happened at the end of season one. Oh, episode one. Oh, episode one. Okay. Uh, do you care if I mild spoil episode two? Go ahead. No, she she very methodically against the clock because they have X amount of oxygen and they insist on freaking out and talking. Right. To figure I out. I mean, as you would if you find out you're buried alive. I get that. Yeah, but don't freak out. Ah! <laughs> but she very methodically figures out where where they're buried, and so yeah. she and. The hot soccer sons, or the hot Hobby. son of the soccer star, blah 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 blah. What? His name is Javi. Yeah, she she and Javi are able to rescue rescue them, and her creepy ex uh, is still around. Well, he's the one who buried them. No, he's not. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's not what I got from the end of one, but whatever. He, I just he's he he's so follow- lame though. He did. He did cop to following them to the graveyard, but he's not the one who buried them. So I'm. I, I'm intrigued. I like the characters. I like the actors. You know, it's and there's not much else on TV. Um, but no, I. You know, it's fine. I kind of wish they weren't just playing with the same type of storyline as they're playing the first with the. Season. Yeah, they're, that's that's but, my problem. Yes. But the twist is the stakes are are up, and something happens in episode three that really ups the stakes even more. So this, so whoever is doing it this time, they're playing for keeps. Yeah, so, but, but no. now it's a different show. It's not just about you know social climbing in high school and who's telling people secrets. Now they're actually murdering each other. And I'm just like, man. Yeah, they're just, you know, being put in, you know, moral jeopardy. Well, I mean, they legit were trying to kill those two kids because the clue, the clue was to a different grave and they wouldn't have made it in time. So, no, they're not playing around. They're literally trying to kill each other. And I, eh, eh, nah, I'm not, I'm out. I tapped out. All right. uh, uh, Next up, we're going to talk about Mr. Corman. And I'm going to let Peter and Tom take the lead for that show, since I did not watch it at all. Uh, so what did you guys think? Um, so I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I don't think he's been in anything in a while. Um, I actually thought this was going to be a movie, and I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, oh, it's him returning to television. Because, I mean, the last time I think of him in television was his breakout, right, Tom? Wasn't he Third Rock from the Sun? Sure. Yes, not including his debut as Dark Shadows as the peepy little kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think of his big role on Third Rock from the Sun. Um, I saw behind the scenes on this, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt said that for him, he kind of thought of the character as like sort of a, you know, what if his own life, you know, as as an Angelino, what if his own life took a different turn? So the movie, so it's the show is basically about a fifth grade teacher who wanted to be a musician and it never really took off, and now he's 40 and it's kind of, he's looking at his life as like, what is my life, you know, and everything. And I would say, you know, like Insecure or Girls, and I know those are three very different kind of shows at three different age groups. They're all very like, they're specific to the cities that they're in and they are basically characters with moral crises of like, where where's my life going? Um, and they're all to a degree comedy slash dramas, um, I liked, they only had the first two episodes. Um, I liked them both. I don't think it was like genius or anything, but I like him and I like the supporting cast. I like the, in the second episode, there's a guy that he goes to who I guess is a friend. He's trying to get like, I think he's having, he has like a panic attack, but you're seeing how health insurance is terrible. And so he has a friend who he knows has some prescription meds that he might be able to get. And the guy's like, 
like you never talked to me and like now you want this and i thought that exchange was uh pretty good peter, uh, peter I, I love that exchange i haven't seen you like in three years dude we just hung out two weeks ago oh well aside from that oh right that's true <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um i just like you know as a as a person who has been in la for about 20 years now i i always have a soft spot for shows that can use la but it's not always like the obvious LA. And it's one of the things I liked about Insecure and it's one of the things I like about this show where I'm like, oh, I don't I don't necessarily know all the places they're going to in this show. Like, and I always like that. Um so yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely I wouldn't say it's as funny as say Ted Lasso or Mythic Quest as far as like an Apple Plus show, but um yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's like a mild thumbs up. I'm going to rock your world, Peter. It's shot in New Zealand. Is <laughs> <laughs> it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're rocking Shot. my world. Wait, you know, it's funny you say that because there's a shot where he goes to park. Uh, it's in the first episode. I think it's like he's going to the girl's house and it's on it. And the big so- the street sign says Wilshire. And I live near Wilshire Boulevard and I didn't recognize it. And I was like, hmm, I don't know where that is. Uh, I was like, I know Wilshire, <laughs> but I know where that is. So either that is an exterior shot. Or it really is just a made made up like thing. Really though, I will say the apartment complex he lives that totally reminds me of my first apartment in Glendale. Like it, like they, they got it, they did a good job then because that that totally does seem like the L.A. that I remember or I or I know of. Anyways, they, they might have shot the pilot in L.A., but episode two definitely shot in New Zealand. Um, uh, that could be. I did not like the pilot as much as Peter did. I found it a little tedious. The only and not very funny. The only moment I really thought was kind of funny was at the very end where his his, you know, he has a one night stand with the woman he picks up at a bar. And then the next morning, everything goes horribly wrong. And then he insults her. And then the next shot is him flying out through the window. <laughs> through his, so uh, right. Was, very big CG kind of like um, it reminded me of the uh, and I think it's kind of underrated. There's a Ben Stiller movie called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh-huh. where. They have a lot of these weird, surreal moments that happen. And, yeah, this show leans into that. Um, and, and he's talked up the magical realism in interviews. For me, episode two, and I ended up watching it twice because it's where he's having this anxiety issue. And what was really interesting is they start in space and they have, like, this meteor streaking towards Earth. Oh, right, yeah. And then we get his point of view, and it's always coming but not landing. And meanwhile, there's this bell tolling or, you know, in the background every, you know, on a oh, fair yeah, frequent you basis. Bell a lot. Right, yeah. Which adds to the anxiety level as he's trying to deal with healthcare companies and his friend. But for me, what won me over is at the very end, he goes to this breathing class. Yeah, right, yeah. And there's this, uh, the instructor is like, why are you here? So everybody introduces themselves. But there's an older woman who says, I'm here because... I, I was alone, and then the instructor says, well, you're not alone anymore. And then the sequence lasts just long enough that you can catch the rhythm of what they're doing, and uh, uh, JGL's character is not really doing it because he's like, ah, oh, this is BS, whatever. And then he notices the old woman has lost her breath rhythm, and so he starts doing it and then extends his hand to hers, and then she's able to through him doing what he's supposed to be doing, she's able to catch the rhythm again. And I thought that was a sweet, touching moment of of connection. So it's not perfect, but (laughs) I'm a big JGL fan. I'm going to keep watching. I agree. All right. That sounds like thumbs up for me. Uh, Or to me. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about Schmigadoon. (laughs) And you guys got your wish. You got, uh, what is the actress's name? Uh, what is her Kristen name? Okay, Tristan Chenoweth. She finally breaks out the song in this episode, and <laughs> I will say, at first, I was a little disappointed because she's like weirdly like rapping. It's it's a parody of the song "Trouble" from the Music Man. Oh, yeah. okay. trouble! And there you go. Oh, right. You're right. That's one yes. Point for the yes. identification. Team, yes. The team identification song. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and it was. Except that I didn't like it as much. I was like, eh, I, didn't, I wasn't a fan until she actually breaks out singing. And I was like, oh, I like this part. Oh, But I will say that having the thing at the beginning 
where uh, what's her name? The the doctor and the nurse. Oh, God, I forgot their names now. Uh, when they have their love song, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I really like this. And then he's like, oh <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Him. He was like, oh, I forgot. It's I have the feel- reprise. The reprise. Yes. The reprise. Yes, it's it was the great. That's the song and, I love so much. And then I like that the fiance shows up and he she goes, Oh, this is the sound of music. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and then it was like and it was like, oh, this is not the sound of music. <laughs> so there's so many Easter eggs. There's so many Easter eggs for the musical lovers. You know what right. I mean? I really hope not like a, a a king and i waltz just before she came yes. in. oh that's started. right yeah same yes you know it's like da da and then it went into something else um but i i jane krakowski was amazing in this yeah. and, uh, she's a national treasure oh my god well i mean i it, it's 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 amazing to me that she still looks the same as she did when i first saw her in like 1980 um i was i Broadway i I saw her on Broadway in uh, in um, Grand Hotel, and she looked exactly the same as she looks now. Wow! Yeah, yeah. and yeah. those legs, oh my god! Uh, oh. But that whole dance that she did in the car. Oh <laughs> yeah, with her legs! Amazing. I was like, who's driving the car? <laughs> it's a musical. That applies. Have to make sense. But oh my god, that was that was absolutely great. Just singing about how she never gets the guy, you know, She's until like, now. She's like, this time I'm going to get my man. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I, that was really good. I, I want to, I, I don't know. Are you done, Allison? I don't want to yes. step on your toes. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, like I, like I said, the, the Easter eggs for, for musical lovers is just, it's so thick. It's so deep. It's like the, you know, a delicious deep, I don't know, deep dish pizza. I don't know. No okay, stop with your analogy. It's going off the yeah, rails. But, so, but my point is, um, I really hope that non-musical lovers will come around to this in some way, as long as you're not one of those people that's like, I hate musicals. Um, this might get you to like enter into the musical world, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the, the numbers are. I don't know, whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm going to talk about this in uh, Ted Lasso as well. But the the, the jokes and the, the, all, the sight gags and the jokes are so just rapid fire. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, they're, it's so, um, these lines, you know, and they, they go from like what Allison said about kind of making the comments about, uh, you know, the, the taking us out into the modern, like, Oh, so this is the, you know, the music man or whatever. Um, but even like the little ones, like throwaway lines where they were talking about, um, their bad days or whatever, you know, like, oh, what was the worst part of your day or whatever? And she was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I mean, maybe you could prescribe less radium water. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and it's such a throwaway line. But again, you know, wink, winking to the anachronism or the modernization, whatever. You know what I'm, I'm trying to say? So for me, the um, and I'll speak really uh, quickly about two things. Our classics, our our Broadway, uh, you know, babies, our, you know, Jane Krakowski, National Treasure. Uh, You know, I feel like I don't know if she wonders or hates or dislikes that she's kind of pretty much typecast. You know what I mean? Um, You know, and that's what she does great. Uh, You know, she just... yeah. What? No, a singer. She sings in practically everything we see her in, and like a comedy singing. I mean, why not? Right? You've got, you know, got, you've got that in your, in your, um, you know, in your arsenal. Why? Why not cast her? Why not use her? She's brilliant. Um, and Allison, to to your point, um, she has not aged because she's a full full on Broadway baby. I mean, they tend to stay in shape. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Forever, they have that, you know, ingrained those legs or Broadway legs. Um, so, but I like, I'll speak to something that no one's spoken about also. Again, I think it's a minor thing, but it's like a modern update sort of thing. Like all the, they slip these in. I love, it reminded me a little bit of Heidi Lamar. You know, I don't know if many people know this, but Heidi Lamar, I mean, sorry. Yeah. She, um, she apparently invented radar or helped to invent radar or basically invented it. So I love that instead of just the, 
zero, you know, kind of, uh, you know, stereotype or whatever. We, we get it in, in musicals. Uh, the, the wife is, or the fiance is like, yeah, I invented stainless steel, you know? And so it was just like, she's not just this empty, you know, socialite character. Uh, again, a small thing, but I, I really like that. I noted that. Um, and then the other thing is, I just have to agree with you. I know this is sacrilegious to say, but I didn't love, um, the uh, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, uh, you know, musical song, uh, at yeah. first. Yeah, I thought it was a little too long. I yes. thought it lacked a little bit of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I thought it lacked a little bit of energy. Like, um, and what I mean by that is like, maybe because it was too long, but like, and, and maybe because she leaned too much into like the evilness of her character or the, you know, the dourness of it, but it's, it somehow lacked a little bit of like that musical joy, you know? So again, I, I can't not love this show. Um, but you know, there were little things here and there, but whatever, I'll just stop talking. Cause we all love the show. All right, Tom, your turn before we move on. I thought it was curious to give her the talk, you know, the talky proto rock song. Yeah. Instead yeah. of on melodious, because she's got an amazing voice, which oh, that song, you know, Robert Preston, that that was his thing. Like Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady, you know, they just talks talk rap sing through the song and whatnot. I thought well, that was he could sing voice. too, but he also had he did those rap numbers really really well. I don't but think it, that it she does. does. I don't think like a, she does. It, it seems well. like a waste of her particular talent to have Bingo. her do the rap song. Yeah, I mean, I, I realize that you know, character wise, it works. For, for the character, but having having her cast in it, I mean, make use of those those golden vocal cords, you know. Right. And, and they don't have I'm her sing until the very end. Own. Yeah, well, yeah. she sings at the very end of the song, and it's fine. But they had her do the re- one. The song is way too long. It takes it's it's the song is too long. And uh, I do like the punchline when you she's like, oh, I could find somebody who could run someone i don't know i have no idea who that would be <laughs> and so i like i like that build up to them you know saying that she should run i get that that part was great but all the rapping at the beginning i could have dealt without that that was unnecessary but we need to move on we need to move on so overall though thumbs up Shrigadoo. oh, oh don't yes. forget the reveal that the school teacher's brother is it, oh it's her son oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Knew that we knew that. Yeah. I don't know if I knew that, but I was not surprised oh, I by that. I did. Yeah. They talked about it too much about, you know, I'm his sister, I'm his sister, and, you know, and she's modern and whatever. I, yeah, no, that was zero surprise for me. Zero. Well, I and did. I didn't care. And, it wasn't. Uh, Mary and the Librarian and Winthrop from Music Man, though. All <laughs> right. Well, we need to move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about uh, Ted Lasso or Led Tasso. Led Tasso. <laughs> Uh, uh, Peter, I want you. Why don't you give it a go first, since uh, you haven't talked in a minute? Yeah, I'm locking this season of Ted Lasso, and in this episode, we get to see him doing a weird version where he's the opposite of Ted Lasso, which is led led led, led Tasso. Tasso. Yes, um, which he, you know, it just means he's he's grumpy, he yells at everybody and everything. But it's pretty short. It's not like a because I was a little, and I think you were too, Libio, that I'm like, oh, is this the whole episode? But it's not. It's really more just a quick moment or whatever. Um, the main part of the episode, though, is that one of the characters from Nigeria has finally has has gotten sponsorship from Dubai uh, the, Air. The, the team, the team. What is it? It's Dubai Air. Dubai Air. Dubai Air is their main sponsor, and he finds out that. Dubai Air has a deal, some pretty terrible deal with an oil company, which is wreaking havoc in Nigeria. So he was like, I don't want to, even though the, the episode starts with, it's like a cool picture of him in a magazine and he's really happy. But then he finds out about this and he's like, oh, I can't really do this and everything. So he talks to the owner and she supports him and stuff. And at the end of the episode, all the teammates like um, support him and put, they all put like a black tape over the the name so I'm assuming that is going to be a big deal. I'm assuming they're going to lose the sponsor. Um, but it, I thought it was good. I mean, I like, I, you know, the, uh, one of the things I've, I've liked this season, which is what you normally do in a second or third season, is that the first season is really focused on our main character, uh, Jason Sudakis, um, Ted Lasso. And this season we're getting to know the, the, uh, the teammates more. And, the, and I thought that was really nice. And I also like that, 
they bring back the jerk guy from season one, and I kind of like that he's more on Jamie a Tart, sort of Tart, a path. Tart. Jamie yeah, Tart, Jamie Tart, Tart, kind of on a path to redemption. So I thought that was like nice too. So yeah, overall, I thought it was a solid episode. Uh, anybody want to talk about the storyline with the little girl and the? Uh... Oh yeah, that was good too. Yeah, I I thought the actor who played the little girl. I'm trying to find her name on on. She uh, was great. She's yeah. great. She yeah, reminds yeah, yeah. me a little bit of a young British version of um oh um ah. Growing Pains. I know who you're talking about. Ashley Johnson, back when she was on Growing Pains. Uh, but what did what did yes. you? Uh, I love that letter that they co-wrote together. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, that was cute. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I, I want to say because we're talking about her, uh, and I want to jump on what Peter said about how they're doing a great job developing the you know the side characters, which really are not side characters. You know what I mean? And more to the point. I, this episode, again, such tight writing. Instead of dedicating one episode to be like, this is the episode dealing with, you know, the boss. This is the episode dealing with. They did a tremendous job weaving all the characters and their stories together. You know, the... Um, the, 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 the scene where they're shopping for the dolls or whatever, which, hilarious. And, you know, I'll just talk about the lines. I watch the show. This is so rare for me. I watch the show twice. Um, and I usually don't have a uh, problem with British accents, especially once you start to kind of get into it. It's sort of like Shakespeare. Uh, your ear opens up. But, but the show is so dense with jokes. You know, and they're delivered so well and so organically that I'm like, wait, what, what was that? I'm sure that was funny. What was that? You know, and um, sort of like the 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 you know the main character, the character who got the Dubai thing, where again, such a throwaway line where she, you know, Keely goes blah 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 blah, and he's like, that sounds all like compliments. You know what I mean? And I just laughed because I was like, what did she say? You know? And then like the that's the, what subtitles are for, by the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to pull them up on Plex. But, yes, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, I tried. I tried on the show. I tried. Um, but anyway, uh, the I again, you guys know how much I tend to not like child actors. Um, she was great. She was written great, which I think helped, you know, uh, the, the her acting because it really seemed like, um, you know, she she did what was she did well with the material they gave her and they gave her really good material. And then the last thing I will say is um, I cannot stop. I just love Roy. Is it right? It's Roy, right? Um, the, again, he just so embodies his character so well. And the scene where uh, they're shopping for the doll and, you know, they're just like uh, and the boss is like, oh, you know, you, you do. um Americans do, you know, historical dolls so well, you know, maybe it's because of their, you know, uh, misguided, you know, thing of superiority or whatever. And she's, you know, and then he, they talk about being involved in their children's lives and how easy it is because they just want to be, you know, present in their lives. Oh, and he's like, yes, let's this? go see the podiatrist. <laughs> yes, and he's like, want to go to the podiatrist with me? Oh, can we? Yes. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, it's too funny. I can't handle this show. So normally I talk about the big pictures, uh, the you know, the big broad strokes. But I just I had to go in and, and talk about the one liners. There's so many. And rewatching the show for you guys. This is I do it for you guys, for you, the podcaster, the you know, because uh, I really want to be able to, you know, talk about it. I, I, I don't mind at all. You know what I mean? Like this time around, I was like, I'm going to write down some of these one liners. Um, it's great because I catch I catch the ones that I miss. Um, and it really just brings so much even extra enjoyment for me be because on the whole, you guys know, I think this is a, just a practically a perfectly written show. Um, but this way I get to really appreciate each character and all of the dialogue they get. They all get to do something in almost every episode. So, yeah, I, it, maybe this wasn't as strong as uh, last week's. Like Peter said, it's very solid, but it just, I cannot like the show because, as, uh, anymore because the writing, I think, it's not just funny, it's really smartly funny. All right. Well, go ahead, Tom. I love that after Led Tasso, you know, shakes up practice as he's walking off the field and goes back to being Ted, Dr. Sharon <laughs> says, So you're playing bad cop to try to, you know, try to get a provoke a reaction out of your team does that has that ever worked <laughs> they were like the yes, one time of chuck e cheese, cheese. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 
Maybe you said this something different about here, like Sir they, Charles of you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Olivia and I talked about this when he gets when he comes out of the character and the assistant coach was like snapping or something. He's like, oh, how long was I out? Like, you know, <laughs> like, that was the best. Uh, Allison, you haven't gotten a chance to talk. Go ahead. Uh, you, you've pretty much covered all, all the, the stuff that I just loved about this. You know what? I, the, the other thing that I love so much is that the the characters in this are so well delineated. You were talking about how the one liners are great, but sometimes the characters are, uh, have just been so well defined that they don't even need to have a line of dialogue. Like when the Roy is is sitting in the the anchor's chair on the show, <laughs> and they, in, they introduce him, and here's Roy, and and he just glares <laughs> yeah he's the most likable curmudgeon say anything and and the 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 uh, guy who's who's the the lead of the show like he gives this little shiver <laughs> just perfect and it, it, you know the thing is something like that only plays if if the characters are so well defined that you just you know who they are you know what they are and you know what the reactions of other people are around them and that's that's what makes this whole show a joy is just how beautifully developed everything is character wise yeah. all right so it sounds like thumbs up from all of us oh, yeah. uh how could it not be <laughs> it is ted lasso or led tasso all right if you guys have any questions or comments you can leave them at uh, tvcampfire at gmail.com follow us on twitter on facebook sci-fi.radio weenopolis and itunes And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.